0: the show i'm mary grace and this is real talk with mary grace you are watching live it is the 18th of november 2021 and we're coming to you today on facebook clout hub and twitter also known as periscope whatever you want to call it that's where we are and i have a special mystery guest with me today some of you were probably expecting to see rachel ham well Rachel shaved her head. No, just kidding. I have a new guest. (laughs) Rachel had an extenuating circumstance. Please pray for her. She has a very exciting life event happening, but it started happening much quicker than she had planned. And so we're going to get her on the show when things settle down. I have with me none other than the famous, wonderful, uh amazing (laughs) praying medic dave hayes i want to welcome you to the show thank you for coming at the last minute this is just awesome And I'm so pleased to have you. Uh, As we're waiting for people to come in, I just wanted to uh, let you do a quick intro and people can catch that on the replay as well. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, A lot of people know you as the person that did all of the decodes and videos during the entire um, couple of years that Q was active, but there's so much more to what you do. You've been on the scene uh, since way before uh, President Trump got elected. And so let's just give my listeners a little bit of background about the praying medic and also known as Dave Hayes or the reverse. Thanks again.
1: Well, the one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is I love to cook. Uh, I'm actually cooking a roast right now. Uh, I was a little bit late getting on the live stream with you because I was throwing a roast in the oven. Uh, So... Yes. Um,
0: This is a little known fact. um, I I know a little secret about that, actually, that a lot of people don't know. And what is that? And that is that you actually have a cooking blog. I do have a cooking blog with all kinds of recipes.
1: Uh, You've probably actually been to it.
0: I've been to your cooking blog, yes. I had forgotten about that, but... I I think that's pretty cool that you do that. And um, yay, Denise, because she gets the benefit of the fact that you love to cook. Um, That's just awesome. I've actually had your cooking. It's awesome. So uh, do you want to share your blog or is that just sort of on a need to know basis?
1: It is the the web address is daveshomecooking.blogspot.com.
0: Dave's Home Yep, it's a Google okay. blog. Yeah, so you guys it can go here.
1: Uh, uh, actually, after I got divorced.
0: <laughs> oh, you 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 got into cooking? That was your coping? Well, I,
1: I'd always enjoyed cooking, um, <clears throat> but after I got divorced, uh, and that was a long time ago. That was gosh, it's been almost fifteen years. Um. I got addicted to the Food Network. Um, I I started watching the Food Network a lot and taking notes on cooking and learned a lot about cooking. I'd always enjoyed cooking, but I wasn't, um, you know, I didn't cook a lot of fancy things. And then I uh, spent some time watching the Food Network, learning um, the ins and outs of cooking. Tyler Florence uh, was a big influence on me, Emeril Lagasse. Paula Dean, Alton Brown, and I followed their shows and I learned a lot about cooking. And I started gathering recipes, um, kind of customizing some of them uh, to my own taste. I developed this cooking blog because I thought, you know what, I need a place uh, for my recipes. My son actually makes, um, I I developed a buttermilk biscuit recipe that is is to die for. And I, I kind of customized, uh, the recipe from episodes uh, by Paula Dean and Alton Brown and Tyler Florence. They all did uh, have, have their own buttermilk biscuit recipe. I tried all of them. I didn't like any of them. Uh, it, it wasn't quite up to, up to my standards. So I tweaked the, their recipes a little bit, came up with my own recipe for buttermilk biscuits. And I, it's, on the, it's on the blog. And my son will ask me once a year, "Hey, Dad, I'm getting together with uh, family. They want me to make buttermilk biscuits. I need your recipe. Can you send a link to it?" So I'll send him a link, or I'll just copy and paste the uh, instructions. And I messaged him. My son has been making my buttermilk biscuits at family gatherings now for probably five years.
0: Does he give uh, you attribution to, for the recipe, or does he yeah,
1: just yeah? He does. They, they oh. all know it's my recipe.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I'm gonna uh, have to try it. Uh, the buttermilk
1: biscuit recipe is pretty darn good.
0: Okay, um, what's the secret to a flaky biscuit?
1: It is in. There's a couple of things. If you really want really really good flaky biscuits, use lard.
0: Do you hear that, Millie? Uh,
1: <laughs> if you're if you're adverse to lard, <laughs> um, the secret to getting the biscuits flaky is to take the dough. And to fold it and fold it and fold it and fold it. Uh, once when you get in a ball, you have to kind of fold it and, and continually fold the dough. That's what creates the uh, the layers um, or the flakiness. Also, make sure you uh, butter them. The biscuits really good when you put them in the oven. That gives them a nice brown uh, coloring. Nice. I'd wash uh, is not a bad idea if you want a really golden brown. Uh, those all those tips are are in the recipe.
0: Okay, great. So Dave's Home Cooking dot dot com. Um,
1: Dave's Home Cooking dot dot com. Excellent, excellent. Where so, I've gathered, but that is where I've gathered a lot of recipes that I'm no longer uh, actually making because <laughs> because Denise and I have been on keto for the last year.
0: Okay, yeah, right. I, I understand. Yeah, sometimes you just need to make a you you need to you need a biscuit though. <laughs> yeah. So, no, sometimes you do. Yep, Thanksgiving um, but, and Christmas are coming. And yeah, I am mean, not Tom. exactly
1: having key lime cheesecake uh, uh, on a weekly basis anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand. It, it makes a difference. Um, so it looks like we're we're getting some more viewers here. We're getting some people in the chat. For those of you who are new, who are not familiar with our guests today, we have Dave Hayes here, Praying Medic. Um, he can be found at prayingmedic.com. He also has a Telegram channel. Uh, called Praying Medic, and so we're going to jump into a little bit more serious topics. Thank you for telling us about your your blog, your cooking. I can't wait to go check out some of the recipes. I had kind of forgotten about that; like it, it was in the back of my mind. But uh, I'm glad you brought that up. And so uh, there, the first thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, we we chatted last night about a couple of topics. There's there's just, there's not much going on, so I'm having a hard time figuring out what to ask you. But I'm sure we'll find something. It's just <laughs> been so slow in the news lately, <laughs> lol. But um, let's see. I I want to I want to ask you. Let's start with the big question that we hear from people all the time. I'm this is a question you get or a comment, and this is something I deal with all the time. And that is the comment uh, of people saying. I just can't wait until this is over. I just want it to be over. And mm. I mean, meaning all of the insanity that we're dealing with right now, uh, you know, the, the totalitarian behavior coming from the regime up in D.C., you name it. We, I hear this so much. And, and I want to know, what would you say to people who have that attitude and that approach to the situation that we're in?
1: that is a very common uh, it's a, it's a common uh, sentiment that people have it's understandable and you know if you're a woman in labor and you've been in labor for 18 hours and you want this damn baby to be born and you're tired of you know all, all the nonsense you just want this thing over with right I mean you, like I want to take my baby home I'm done I've Done all the stuff I'm supposed to do, and this baby still is not cooperating. I want this over, right? I mean, maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Um, so, when you're going through something that is painful, uh, when you're going through something that is that challenges your patience, something that challenges your endurance, something that challenges your understanding of God, something that under. Challenges your understanding of the plan um, when you when you go through things that don't seem fair, don't seem just, and don't seem right. The natural instinct is to want things to be made right, for um, for the criminals to be apprehended, for the nightmare to end, and for things to just go back to normal, right? I mean, that's that's normal. That's what we expect. That's what we want. When, uh, when we face these situations. Um, and that's what a lot of people are experiencing right now. But, you know, f- from my, uh, my, my perspective, um, the, the problem, the essential problem is one of expectation. Uh, I think a lot of people have unrealistic expectations about how soon this is supposed to be over. Uh, and and I think the unrealistic expectation comes from uh, a skewed perspective on what we're actually what is actually happening right now. So some people are kind of looking at the small picture. Hey, some uh, you know girl sniffing pedophile ended up in the White House. We need to get rid of this guy because he's going to destroy the country. I mean, to some people that's that's essentially the problem. We just need to get rid of Joe Biden. He's the problem. Uh, he wasn't supposed to get in the White House and we just need to get him out of the White House and then everything will be fine, All right. Well, that's taking a very um, shallow, superficial look at the problem. Joe Biden isn't the problem. He's a symptom of the problem. The actual problem is much bigger. So it's not just Joe Biden and corrupt people in Congress. There are corrupt people in Congress. They are passing bills that are Uh, you know, on the way to destroying our country. But just getting rid of all those corrupt people in Congress and Joe Biden isn't going to fix the problem. Uh, It's bigger than that. It's not just uh, big pharma that is trying to kill people and making trillions of dollars at our expense. That's not just the problem. That's another symptom of the problem. The problem is much bigger than that. It is. It is, the problem is huge. It's massive. Um, it's in, here's a, here's another symptom of the problem. Uh, we've been seeing elites, the elites of society being arrested for uh, breaking the laws, breaking rules and in, in getting their kids into Ivy League schools. We've been seeing uh, faculty members of Ivy League schools being arrested for selling information to China, taking money from China. We've seen people in the intelligence community being arrested for selling information to China. Okay. Now we're getting into the root of the problem, which is that, uh, China, the communist Chinese party has infiltrated our country in almost every area of society. And they are trying to destroy our country and take it over N- through a war. Not through a war of invasion, through a war of infiltration. And a lot of people just refuse to come to grips with the fact that we're at war, that we've been at war for a long time. We're, you know, President Trump is, has been a wartime president. Now, the fact that um, he ended the war in Afghanistan, de-escalated the, the fighting in Syria and other parts of the Middle East, brokered the peace agreements with Saudi Arabia and between Saudi and, and other nations and, and Israel, right? I mean, Trump brokered uh, a bunch of peace agreements between Israel and, and, and uh, other Arab and, Yeah, Arab the nations. Abraham Accords. What's yeah. that?
0: The Abraham Accords. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, they're trying to undo yeah. that right now.
1: Trump has brought our troops home and has ended a lot of the wars. But what people don't understand, a lot of them don't understand is we are we have been fighting a war against China for a very long time. And I think when Q uses the phrase, the silent war continues, that's an allusion to the fact that we've been in a war. It's a silent war. It's not a kinetic war. We're not launching missiles at China. They're not launching missiles at us. But China has been um, in a silent war with us for a long time. They have infiltrated government. They've infiltrated intel agencies. They've infiltrated uh, higher education. They have infiltrated Hollywood. They have infiltrated uh, the media. President Trump put out a message yesterday about how we are still allowing... Uh, communist Chinese propagandists into our media complex and that the Biden administration is approving visas for people, for the media who are not members of the press. They are propagandists for the Chinese Communist Party. That's the kind of war we're we're fighting. Media has been infiltrated by Chinese propagandists. We we are at war. And it it dawned on me some months ago that if, if we're at war, and, and my role is essentially a digital soldier because it's an, it's an information war. The country hasn't been invaded because we have 400 million guns in this country. No foreign country is going to be crazy enough to invade us with an army and try to take us over. They know that they can't do it. So um, China and other countries have figured if they can infiltrate our country, take control of positions of power, uh, bring in um, teaching that is uh, that, that pushes socialism and Marxism, they can slowly uh, take over control of our country. That's what they've been trying to do for the last 30 years. Trump came along and he woke people up. Q came along and gave people a big wake-up pill about what has been happening to our country, how our country has been sold out, uh, to the highest bidder
0: i have a question so, i, I want to first of all i i heard you say we're at war can you say that louder for the people in the back i this yeah. is something that i just want to yeah. make sure people understand why do you
1: think q tell calls us digital soldiers yeah <laughs> why has general flynn called us digital soldiers why is flynn on his telegram channel every day telling us we need to get involved locally we need to be involved we need to be either running for you know, elected position, whether it's school board or precinct committee chair or, or whatever, uh, we need to yeah. be on social media, putting out posts, putting out videos, putting out information, sharing it with our friends and our family and people in our circle of influence. We are digital soldiers. And if we are soldiers, okay, we're in a war, number one. Number two, we are digital soldiers. And if you're, if you're a soldier, what does that mean? What does that mean? See, I, it, I kind of had to it took me a long time to wrap my mind around the fact that I am actually a soldier and I have been enlisted in a war and I have taken an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I, I took the oath. Denise and I did the video. We posted it on Twitter and Q reposted. it. <laughs> I mean, we took the oath. We are digital soldiers. What does it mean to be a soldier? When you are a soldier in an army, the first thing that you have to understand is the army expects you to be disciplined. And if and that's what a lot of people don't understand. They don't have a wartime mentality. They don't have a war face. They don't think in terms of strategy and tactics. They don't think in terms of, I'm a soldier. There is someone trying to destroy my country. And I have to take action to stop them from doing it. Uh, I have, you know, I, I took on the assignment of decoding Q posts and doing videos and Twitter threads. Because I I did come to the realization that um, there are evil forces out there that are trying to destroy not just America, but the world. They're trying to enslave us all. Um, in
0: I want to, I want to interrupt you for just a second because, you know, you're, you're telling people to get involved and you're saying that you took on the role of decoding the Q post. There's something that a lot of people don't know about you that I think is important to interject here as you're urging people to get along and that, uh, to get involved. And that is this, you were not a political guy. Uh, uh, When, when Donald Trump got elected um, this was not your lane. You you didn't spend the last twenty years being locally active, politically active, um, internet active. You were not an activist. And in what, fact, what were they doing, Mary? Um, you were writing books <laughs> about healing, about spirituality, about Christianity, about hearing from God, learning about the Holy Spirit. Can I can I be so bold as to say you really couldn't care less about politics? Yep. It just wasn't your lane. Is that true? Yep. Okay. That's true. All yeah, two. and, I, and I, I, want, I really want people to hear this, because God called you to do this, and you answered the call, and you didn't know at the time that it was because we're at war. I think that you came to that oh, revelation I didn't. along the way. I want people to get what you're saying here, because so many people are adrift, and they're asking the question, how do I fight? Or I hear them say, "I'm just not political." Well, guess what? You're looking at the original apolitical guy right here, and he's had a massive, massive impact because he listened and answered the call of God on his life in this season. And I want to really emphasize that. So, can you give us a little background about how you uh, got, how you were convinced God gave you an offer you couldn't refuse? (laughs) Uh, I had no interest in politics
1: at all and current events. Um, prior to 2016, well, like you said, I was just, uh, you know, uh, a charismatic teacher teaching people about dreams and healing and deliverance and and emotional trauma. And I mean, that's, that was my life for like, for years. Um, I started publishing books in 2013. We published three books in 2013 uh, Divine Healing Made Simple was our first book. Then we put out uh, My Craziest Adventures with God, Volumes 1 and 2. Then in 2014, I wrote the book, um, let's see, Singing in the Spirit Made Simple. And then we published a couple more books. Uh, and then in 2015, we published a few more books. I mean, I was just very, very happy you know, I, I had been working on the ambulance for 35 years. I was getting very burned out. I really hated my work, other than getting to pray with people and see miracles. That was a, that was cool, uh, but working on the ambulance at that point was very stressful. Uh, I was doing critical critical care transports, and I was working in a system that was highly politicized.
0: Oh, that's and, a shocker!
1: Uh, there was it was high risk, and I. Um, I knew that the people that were above me, my supervisors, they were asking me to do some very risky transports. And I knew that if anything happened, I was going to be thrown under the bus. I'd seen them do it to other people. So that stress in that environment uh, caused me to want to get out of medicine. And when I got into uh, publishing books and just writing and blogging, about what God was doing that I just saw myself doing that for the next, you know, 10 years. And then Q comes along and screwed up my business plan because we were going to publish three books a year, every year. And that was our business plan. And then Four years in 2017 ago. Q comes along and I stopped publishing books for two years. while I was just researching Q posts for you know, 60, 70 hours a week, uh, every week, month after month for two years. Um, we we stopped publishing, and our royalties went just cratered. Fortunately, um, people supported us financially through donations. If we had not uh, had the financial support of people who appreciated the research that that we were doing for, on Q, uh, we would have been bankrupt. Wow! But people people supported us, and like like you said, I was not at all interested in politics or current events. I couldn't. Give a rat's butt about any of that, but in 2016, God started giving me dreams about politics and current events, and especially Trump. I've had, gosh, probably 200 dreams about Trump. Wow. Over the last five years, and I, and probably almost as many dreams about Q. I know I've had at least a hundred dreams where you know, God has highlighted specific things about Q's operation that He wanted me to know. So, like you said, uh, you know. I got dragged into this unwillingly. I really did not want to get into um, politics and current events, but it seemed like that's what God wanted me to do. So, so I did it and, and I've been doing it. Uh, I'm trying to get back into writing books. (laughs) Q has given me a break for about a year. So um, we've, I've been working on uh, three or four book manuscripts. Put out the book on dream interpretation made simple, uh, and
0: that <laughs> uh, yeah. From
1: book there. Uh, and I'm working on a book on power and authority. Uh, and oh that'll wow! Be, okay, that will be done pretty soon.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, there's a
1: third Q book. I just finished that. Denise is editing it. There's going to be a fourth Q book. I'm working on a science fiction uh, trilogy. And awesome. and and so. So I'm I'm loving the fact that I get some time to go back into being a writer, which is which is my number one thing that I love more than anything else, really. Yeah. But you know, there's a lot going on in politics and current events, and people appreciate uh, my updates and my insights. So you know, I continue to post things on Telegram and do some video uh, news updates periodically. But you know, I feel like I. Uh, uh, guy who's running a three ring circus because they have so many things that are calling for my attention and only yeah. so much time in a day.
0: Well, I want to, I, I want to just touch on what you said about how you, you and Dave, so w- Dave is referring to we and the we, it's not a royal we. He actually has a, a beautiful and lovely and talented wife. Her name is Denise and they have an amazing partnership. And, uh, and so she's a, she has a lot of the, Uh, She has a a brilliant marketing mind. She's very creative. And, uh, And so this is an amazing partnership that God has put together. One of the things that stands out to me is that you said that we stopped writing books when we answered the call to do this work. And it reminds me of what we know about the patriots who resisted the British and stood up to them. They pledged their lives, their fortunes and their sacred honor. You really didn't know what was gonna happen when you embarked on this journey, but you took a step, a massive step in faith. Both of you did because you saw at that time a much bigger picture emerging about what God was doing in our nation and around the world. You couldn't have known how any of this was gonna come out And so really there was a a massive faith walk that you were embarking on. And I just want to commend you for that. I think that that doesn't really get enough credit. Uh, You know, It's easy to criticize people and I know that you get a lot of that, (laughs) but I really just want to commend you for taking that risk because many people are in a position right now of uh, getting pushed out of their comfort zone, not really even having a choice. And I just want to give people that assurance, you know, God is, God provides when he, when he calls you to something, he's going to provide, he's going to give you abundance. And this is Dave and Denise are a walking and living example of that. And, uh, and so, you know, just take their faith and apply it to your situation and ask God to increase your faith and your vision about what it is that he's going to be doing with you and your family if you're going through transition. So thank yeah, you. Well,
1: and that's you a really good point. Um, you know, Denise and I had a business plan. We mm-hmm. realized that if we published three books a year, uh, we could earn enough in royalties to pay the bills. Like when I got out of medicine, I didn't have a, a pension. <laughs> like most people who work 35 years in a certain field, I had no pension when I got out of medicine. Um, I was working for a company that had just come out of bankruptcy. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, no, and I'd, I'd moved around I went from one place to another, um, trying to find the right employer, trying to find the right fit. Anyway, didn't have a pension and I needed to continue working. And the reason why I quit my job as a paramedic was that Denise said, look, you know, we're, we're making as much uh, selling books as you were making, working as a paramedic, why don't you just go and sell, you know, let's write books and publish books full time.
0: Smart lady. And
1: I was overjoyed because I love to write, I love to publish. And I, working in medicine was really stressful. Uh, I can't imagine what it would be like now, probably be twice as stressful. It'd be horrible. So it was, um, it was an interesting transition for me. It was a step of faith, you know, walking away from my, my day job without a pension uh, trusting that God would continue to provide for us if I would just keep writing and publishing books. And then Q comes along and <laughs> we stopped publishing books. <laughs> I mean, like that wasn't what I was planning on doing. You know, Denise is like, well, when are we going to go back to publishing books? I mean, that's a business plan. I'm like, I don't know. When is Q going to stop posting? I just had this uh, this knowing, and she knew too, that God wanted us to do the decodes, do the videos, do the threads, try to explain, you know, to the best of our ability, what Q is doing. And we actually formed our ministry in, in 2016, 2017, because people started donating to us and we didn't actually have a nonprofit ministry. Uh, a lot of people had been donating to us thinking they were donating to a nonprofit, and we didn't have one at the time. And Denise started to think, well, you know, a lot of these people are probably going to want to, to um, take a tax deduction for their donations, and we don't, we don't have a nonprofit. So we quick set up a nonprofit, really primarily so that we could give people um, receipts so that they could deduct the do- donations on their taxes. That's the primary reason why we set up our ministry. Uh, and people had, had then supported us for the next few years, while we were doing QD codes, we pretty much lived on the donations that people were sending to us, because our our book royalties just cratered, and we weren't making a whole lot of money. And uh, as an author, unless you have a best-selling book um, like you know The Shack or something, we're talking like a book that's selling millions of copies, you have to just keep publishing. Books, right? um, If you expect to, you know, make a living doing it. And uh, we suddenly had to stop publishing because Q would not shut up. But uh, people stepped up and they supported us financially. And that's the reason I was able to do all the Q posts is because people were supporting us financially.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, I know that, you know, there's a lot of people out there who don't
1: understand this whole thing about accepting donations and, and selling books. They, they will never understand that. And, and that's
0: fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's some people that, that are going to complain and, and criticize yeah. no matter what. Uh, yeah. y- you've mentioned Q several times. Uh, you know, we go way back. We, we were there for the first Q drop. A lot of people are new. Can you just give us a very quick overview of, of what you mean by Q? Who is Q? Yep. I, um, so you know, Q you is an problem. anonymous...
1: They know nothing. Yeah. Q is an anonymous entity. No one knows if Q is a male or female, uh, an individual or a group. This, this entity, this person, persona, whatever has been posting on, um, internet messaging boards since 2017. <clears throat> and to date, they've published almost 5,000 messages. Uh, some of them are just simple messages. Uh, words of encouragement, scripture verses. Some of them, uh, posts include links to government documents. Some include links to videos. Um, some of, a lot of the earlier messages asked a lot of questions. Q was sort of using the Socratic method to get people to think outside the box about, and, and Q primarily is about exposing institutional corruption. So when I talked about China infiltrating government, higher education, uh, big pharma, um, the media, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about institutions of society that have been corrupted by outside influences and domestic influences. And Q, uh, the mission of Q is to give us, average people, information where we can piece together, um, piece together bits of information that paint the picture uh, that exposes institutional corruption around the world. That's what Q does. Q is helping us understand the, the breadth and depth of institutional corruption.
0: Okay, thank you. Yeah, and wh- one of the, the, the catchphrases that people hear a lot uh, from Q is trust the plan. And you mentioned earlier that yep. that General Flynn and Q have have really continually urged people to get involved. And I would love to hear your take on what that phrase means. I believe that there are some people who took that as uh, just a, a, a free ticket to sit back and wait for somebody to come on a golden chariot and save everything and save the world. Uh, what does that really mean? What, what do you take away from that phrase, trust the plan?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So uh, the admonition by Q to trust the plan is one of 5,000 messages Q has posted. Not the only message and (laughs) not the most important message, but um, at times, at specific times, when the researchers on the board, we call anons, anonymous users or anons, are feeling dejected, discouraged, things aren't going the way that they, they had hoped things that they would. Q will sometimes uh, drop a, a link to a news event, an arrest of someone, uh, declassified documents came out that exposed some uh, element of corruption, some, someone in the Defense Department who got arrested for, you know, like I said, selling information to China, or some dirt is dropped on Obama or, or Joe Biden or something like that. Um, after Q posts some shocking information that gives us some reason to be hopeful, Q will then sometimes say, trust the plan. Okay? It, it, it's simply um, a recognition that although it may seem at times as if we're losing the battle, in fact we're not actually losing the battle if you look at the grand sweep the big picture we're not losing the battle it only seems like that if you look at it uh, on a daily basis like the first two or three months after last november's election that everyone that, that i know got blackpilled pretty hard uh, Yeah. right so you're probably going to say well what is the bla- what is blackpilled <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> right. I, you know, I was going to say, so so we know we know there's a red pill and a blue pill. There's a yeah. black pill. Right. <laughs> so the red pill wakes you up and opens your eyes and helps you see the truth.
1: The blue pill puts you to sleep and allows you to believe the fake narrative of the mainstream media. The black pill is the pill that you take that causes you to lose hope, to live in despair. And to believe that nothing's ever going to change.
0: All right, yeah.
1: you don't want to take the black pill, and you don't want to people hang around people who distribute black pills on a regular basis. And a lot of people um, are actually suffering from discouragement and a lack of hope because they're listening to people who are pushing black pills mm. instead of people who are pushing blue p- or red pills. You want you want to hang around with people who. Um, give you re- good, valid reasons to be hopeful. You don't so want to- You're not talking
0: about people. hopium. You're not just talking about- I'm
1: not about talking hopium. about hopium. I'm not talking about hopium. Uh, there are, ever since Q went silent a year ago, there are all these people out there on social media who are pushing pure, fake, uh, unadulterated hopium. They're they're just putting out all this crazy, insane, unprovable false information, to give people false hope. That's not what I'm talking about.
0: And that's what hope, hopium is what, what false hope. That it, false it, hope. It, it's like an adrenaline hit of hope, right. but it's based on uh, inaccurate information. really. Right,
1: right. So Pepe Lives Matter and I have been trying to keep people's spirits um, somewhat um, buoyed and to to avoid keep people from being becoming depressed and and hopeless. Yeah. And we've been we've been kind of focusing people's attention on God. What is God doing? What is God saying? What is God showing us? Um, I do that a lot through dreams. And in the last six months, God has continually showed me every day something going on behind the scenes. Like when I take a nap in the afternoon, like around, I take a nap usually around one o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, by the way, I have to take a nap now, it's past the
0: nap. I was gonna say, you're, you're
1: missing your nap. <laughs> what I see in these, in these naps, it's, it's kind of crazy. I continually see the same thing when I take a, an afternoon nap. And I'm talking about a nap for like 10 minutes, all right?
0: A disco as as nap. I
1: sleep, boom, I, I go into this dream and I see things going on behind the scenes. And it always has to do with the takedown of corruption. Like I see people testifying in hearings. I see people talking about um, what what the deep state's plans are. I, I see people um, revealing uh, classified information about corruption. It's always the same thing. And and a lot of times, um, what I what I just see is I see the the. Good guys, the white hats, the good people in the military and in the intelligence community who are always staying two or three steps ahead of the bad guys. That's what I've seen day after day, week after week, month after month. When I go to sleep in the afternoon, invariably, if I have, when I have a dream, it'll be, it will show me um, the behind the scenes things that are happening where the good people are, are, are outsmarting the bad people and staying a couple of steps ahead of them all this summer and the spring when it looked like uh, Joe Biden and Obama and, you know, and the cabal had the upper hand. God kept showing me they don't actually have the upper hand. Uh, they're being set up and it's eventually going to come to fruition. And now, now that Durham is unsealing more indictments in the Spygate uh, investigation, now we're seeing tangible results that have reason to give us hope. You read these indictments that are coming out of Durham's investigation, and you can see that you know, by the evidence he's putting out, he's going to indict five or six more people. With every indictment that comes out, you see, oh, Christopher Steele's going to get indicted. Oh, it looks like Glenn Simpson, of Fusion GPS, is going to get indicted. Oh, looks like uh, Mark Elias from Perkins Coy, he's probably going to get indicted because all this information is coming out and it all incriminates all these people. So I, ha- I am very hopeful about the takedown and exposure of corruption because now we're seeing tangible evidence.
0: Um, okay, uh, let me stop you because... This is, the, this is what we've heard for, this is what we've, we've seen uh, for years now. These people never pay. They never, ever pay the price. We right. have an example right now where Kyle Rittenhouse is on trial for murder, for double murder. Uh, we have the, the Q shaman who got put away for four years for walking into the Capitol. Uh, meanwhile, we have uh, high level treasonous crimes that have been committed. And and we have all of the evidence. We have Hillary Clinton walking free. We have Loretta Lynch. We have Susan Rice. We have the Podestas. And and the question that everybody has is, will these people ever see a day behind bars or will our country just continue to devolve into lawlessness? And um, so I know I have faith. However, even my faith is challenged by this. And, and so I want to go from, I want to, I want, I want to pose that question to you, but also for the people who really think nothing is happening. I, I know that there's, you know, I don't know if we're ever going to see Hillary behind bars. I hope so. But is there, can you give us some hope, not hopium, just what is yeah. it that's really happening here?
1: Yeah. So, um, I have been, uh, I've been studying Spygate, uh, Russiagate, whatever you want to call it, ever since 2016. Actually, before Q was posting in 2016, I was doing Periscope broadcasts. You probably remember this. <laughs> uh, nightly Periscope broadcasts on the investigation at Devin Nunez in the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah was doing into the surveillance of Trump. This is late 2016. Um, again, because God highlighted that subject, put it on my radar, and was like, you need to start paying attention to this stuff. And I was like, okay, I, I'll start paying attention to it. So I started digging in and following what was happening with Devin Nunes and, and his investigation of Spygate. All right. Um, That's kind of how we met, love- isn't it?
0: We connected. I, I think that's kind of how we met, is we were both yeah. reporting on that and, and our paths crossed. And then we, yep. we actually met. Like yeah,
1: we, we had some people in common that we knew, James, mm-hmm. right? And and some other people back then who were uh, yeah. c- trying to connect the dots. Yeah. So we we have known for a long time um, that the FBI and the DOJ and the White House and the State Department and the CIA, um, MI6. Did you forget um, the FBI? FBI, they all sort of uh, colluded in, an, in a coordinated effort to smear Donald Trump to try to make sure he didn't get elected. And then after he was elected, um, their strategy changed to try to remove him from office. They literally plotted to remove a duly elected president. Okay, They, they attempted to overthrow a sitting president okay so
0: not too smart when
1: you're talking about people who are at the heads of government agencies andrew mccabe he was deputy uh, director of the fbi uh james comey he was director of the fbi brennan director of cia clapper director of national intelligence right all these people um laura lynch right Mueller. Robert Mueller is actually uh, up to his neck in trouble too because Mueller was the head of the FBI prior to Comey. And what happened under Mueller's reign at the FBI was the sale of the company Uranium One to the Russian company Rosatom. And the Uranium One scandal is a massive money laundering scandal that, according to Q, looks like it was also designed to funnel uranium to Syria, North Korea, and Iran to allow them to develop nuclear weapons. And that the FBI the and DOJ right. they couldn't arm,
0: on it. They couldn't arm their nuclear weapons without uranium, correct? Correct. Okay. There
1: was a moratorium on selling uh, uranium to those countries. So it looks like according to Q, John McCain, facilitated the transfer of some uranium from the Uranium One deal. Some of that uranium got funneled into Syria and Iran covertly and illegally to help them build their nuclear weapons program. Right. And that's just one of the But Mueller was head of the FBI at that time when that got, when it was signed right? Up. and Holder was uh attorney general. So this is one of the things that Durham is investigating that a lot of people don't know.
0: People kind of forgot about that.
1: Yeah. So the thing is, um, U.S. Attorney Huber has been investigating the Clinton Foundation going back to 2016. When he finished his investigation of the Clinton Foundation, that got turned over to Durham. And along with investigating the Clinton Foundation and all the pay for play and and the corruption there, the Uranium One scandal is sort of in the middle of that because Hillary... Was secretary of state and a yeah. lot of the money that went into the was donated to the clinton foundation on behalf of other nations pay for play a lot of that money uh was um connected to the uranium one scandal i'm not going to go into the details but those are the kind of things that uh durham as, and Huber and other US attorneys have been investigating for almost five years. So we're talking about selling uh, uranium illegally to foreign countries to build nuclear weapons countries that were under um, that, that it was it was illegal to sell uranium to them right yeah okay. yeah We're talking about Hillary Clinton who had an unsecured server who had special access programs, the most highly classified documents uh, in in the government, she had them on her server. And we have reason to believe she was selling them to foreign governments. Now, special access programs uh, contain information like the deployment of seal teams. Okay, that's the kind of information contained in a special access program. Hillary was selling that information to foreign countries. Treason. Uh, You've got people like James Comey and Andrew McCabe, who knowingly submitted applications to the FISA court to surveil Carter Page, claiming he was a Russian asset, knowing full well at the time, that Carter Page was working with the FBI on several cases and he was also working with the CIA. Carter Page had been a confidential human source for the CIA and the FBI going back to 2009. Comey knew it, McCabe knew it. They had just before they issued the first FISA application, Page had just helped testify in a case where they they charged three Russians, right? Page was a source for the FBI They then claimed he was a Russian spy and surveilled him, all right? They knew he wasn't a Russian spy. It's ridiculous. They thought he was a Russian spy. They wouldn't have had him working for them as a confidential human source. So Comey and McCabe knowingly submitted false information to a FISA court to surveil the Trump campaign, all right? Um, As Hannity has said a million times over the last four years, Pre- unpremeditated fraud on a FISA court. Okay. <laughs> that is what, that is at minimum what Comey and McCabe can be charged for. But again, they were complicit in a plot to remove a duly elected president. They attempted to overthrow the sitting president.
0: Well, that, that was the first plot that, and, that and they, thought. because they're,
1: um, cause they worked in government and they were the heads of agencies. Okay. They swore an oath to defend the Constitution. And I think it's going to be shown at some point that foreign governments were involved in this attempt to overthrow Trump. And if Durham can prove that foreign governments tried to overthrow a sitting U.S. president, everybody who helped out in that process can be charged with treason, sedition, or uh, subversive activities, and that's where military tribunals the
0: press. come in. Correct. What's that? That's where military tribunals come in. That's where when e- when you Probably. you're including able to press,
1: because a lot of people don't understand that uh, if you read the if you read the statute on treason, sedition, and subversive activities, one of the subversive activities listed in there is using the press in an attempt to overthrow the government, and the media. Knew the information they were putting out was false, mm-hmm. and they were aiding and abetting an attempted coup of a sitting president.
0: Right, right. So you know
1: what? I wouldn't want to be the members of the media when Durham starts uh, unsealing indictments because they could all be charged. Uh, yeah, under that statute. Interesting so, yes, how Brian I Williams think, just stepped down. I huh? think Hillary's going to be charged. I think Podesta is going to be charged. I think Podesta's day is coming pretty soon because Podesta was the campaign manager for Hillary in 2016. And Durham right now, the indictments that he's unsealing have to do with uh, how the Clinton's campaign colluded with actual Russians uh, to smear Trump, right? I mean, Danchenko uh, and Sussman were essentially taking orders from people higher up the food chain uh, in Perkins Coy and in the Hillary campaign. I would imagine one of the next people to be indicted is probably going to be Mark Elias. Mm-hmm. So Mark Elias is an attorney. Um, he was a partner with Perkins Coy. Uh, Perkins Coy, big uh, law firm, did a lot of work for the Clinton campaign. Uh, I would imagine Mark Elias and uh, and Sussman and probably Podesta, the three of them. And, and let's not forget, Uh, Our current national security advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan. Oh, yeah. So Jake Sullivan was Hillary's uh, foreign policy advisor at the time. And Sullivan's a pretty smart guy. Um, He's always been considered a pretty sharp political operative. I would imagine Jake Sullivan and Podesta probably quarterbacked the smear campaign of Trump.
0: What about Anthony Blinken? Is he implicated?
1: Oh, Blinken. Oh, my gosh. That
0: dude. Secretary
1: <laughs> is... of State, guys. <laughs> Secretary of State. I I would imagine Tony Blinken is going to be implicated. I'm trying to just rack my brain now of what he might be charged with. Right. But all of these people uh, are culpable. And the indictments that Durham has already unsealed, the speaking indictments, they all shed light on the criminality of these people, including Podesta. Because, like I said, you know, we're we're, we're talking about um, we're we're very close to um, probably getting some indictments coming from people directly in the Clinton campaign, and Podesta is at the top of the food chain. So, if they start indicting people who were low-level players in the Clinton campaign from 2016, eventually they're going to work their way up to getting people like Podesta. Now, I I, I, I know a lot of people want to see John Podesta get arrested for all the other stuff that he did. Yeah. But, but it's a start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to fast. I want to stop you just for a second because um, I, I want to ask you something. So we're, we're talking about the crimes that were committed in 2015, 2016. Here we are in 2021 going into 2022. And if I'm reading the room I'm I'm looking at my people and I know they're thinking, okay, that's just one little thread. I mean, it's a massive one, but that's just like one thing. We're not even in 2020 yet. And, and the crimes that we have witnessed, that we have been witnessed to, I, it, let's just leave COVID out of it. Let's just deal with everything else. You know uh, the the election theft, uh, all of this stuff, the the Ukraine impeachment, um, the fir- the January sixth impeachment. I mean, all of this. Just realistically, you know, somebody in the comments saying, "Oh, I, I just wish it wouldn't take so long," you know, to convict anyone. Right? Well, I, I have an I have a picture in my head that I think might explain to people the magnitude of what we're dealing with. You and I talked about this last night. You know, we are at war. This is this is not a one-and-done wrap-up uh, episode of, you know, your favorite intrigue TV show. This is war. But I have a picture, as you were talking, I'm thinking about a James Michener novel. Does everybody remember James Michener? He couldn't write a short novel. It, every book was this thick. So if, you're, if we're looking at all of the corruption that, that we know to, to exist uh, just from the time that Trump walked down the escalator to now, how many, how many Michener volumes do you think would be produced uh, even just with evidence? <laughs> I wanna give people perspective on what we're dealing with here. There is no quick conviction here. This is not a uh, reckless driving charge. We're dealing with much. We're we're dealing with so many threads. How many volumes do you think we're dealing with right now? Thick, James Michener. Yeah.
1: Well, if you think that a six thousand year old death cult is going to be destroyed in one weekend, uh,
0: that's a good way of putting it.
1: Realistic expectations.
0: Yeah. Um, It's a couple,
1: right? This is a this is a cabal. These people, these families, um, these institutions and agencies that you know the central bank uh, system, the Federal Reserve, uh, the Rothschilds family, George Soros, uh, the Rockefellers, right? All all the banksters and the gangsters uh, of the deep state, the military-industrial complex that you know we were warned about. Uh, by Eisenhower and Kennedy, this this massive corrupt ring of people who are in power has been around for a long freaking time. And we are not going to destroy this thing and dismantle it in a couple of months or a couple of years. It's going to take a long time for us to chop this thing down, to get down to the root, pull it out at the root and and destroy it. Uh, It's not going to happen quickly. If you're thinking that, you know, you're just going to wake up one day and it's all going to be over, uh, you know, in the next couple of months, um, it's not going to be over in a couple of months.
0: You might have to go back to sleep for a
1: lot longer. You may have to go that. back to sleep for a while. Uh, yeah. Look, if Q had told us up front how long it was going to take for all this stuff to start for us to start seeing prosecutions, most of us would never have gotten on board. Uh, <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, we're all kind of waiting. We want the quick fix. You know, we want just rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's not how it's going to happen. I think there are going to be some suddenlies. Okay. Uh, potentially in the next few months, I think there are going to be some sudden events that will happen that are going to shock people.
0: Now you're getting um, ahead of my next question. Can I, can I interrupt? <laughs> I, <laughs> we're on the same wavelength here, obviously. Uh, okay, so last year at this time, um, we were going to stop the steel rallies. We were watching with rapt attention as Rudy Giuliani and Jenna Ellis and Sidney Powell and Mike Lindell started to expose some of this corruption that we saw in uh, key cities around the country with regard to the election. And, you know, many of us, me included, had. Uh, had faith that this would be turned around, and that President Trump would never would not leave the Oval Office; that he would be sworn in again in January of 2021. We all know that didn't happen. One of the things that I explained when I was talking about his role, uh, not knowing what I know now about devolution, I explained to everybody. I said, as Commander in Chief, if President Trump steps aside and leaves the country. into the hands of these traitors and to the enemy, he's actually surrendering our country. And that would be uh, unconscionable for him to do that. And, and then lo and behold, you know, he flew away on January 20th and everybody took a big swallow of a big black pill and thought, what in the heck is happening? I was in D.C. and it was cold and it was snowing and it was like bone chillingly gray and cold. And there we were. Uh, and and the people that I was with were being, you know, were about to be um, maybe uh, visited by the FBI. So the tension and the disappointment was just palpable. And so there we were watching our commander in chief seemingly leave and abandon our country to the enemy, which is what I had been reassuring people wouldn't happen. Now, a year in, almost a year in, we're getting some information about something called devolution, uh, which would lead me to believe, and you, that he didn't actually surrender our country. And so I think that's where you were going with in your conversation. And I just, yeah, I want to hand you the baton. Yep. Tell us why you think that and, um, and why you believe that President Trump did not surrender our country to the enemy?
1: Well, the, the, the idea of devolution is based on a lot of circumstantial evidence. Okay? It's, it's not hopium. Um, and devolution is a real thing. Uh, you can look up all the documents. If you if you read the executive orders and and read um, the laws that have been passed, uh, bills in the legislature, and if you look at uh, executive orders, not just the ones that Trump signed, but the ones that Obama put into effect, devolution is a real thing. Um, you you can't say devolution is some imaginary, you know, concept that that people just dreamed up. It's it's a real thing. You can look it up. Um, Devolution is the idea of of taking a centralized government and devolving the power structure into regional or or local um, entities. So it's taking a centralized government and taking that power and just uh, distributing it out among local and regional entities. Um, A lot of it has to do with um, continuity of government and uh, continuity of command. Um, a lot of it has to do with the military command and control, ma- maintaining uh, control of the military in wartime and, and uh, in times of crisis. It has to do with maintaining uh, operational stability of essential government functions. That, that's really the, the thing to kind of focus in on in devolution. There are certain um, essential functions that government has to provide. And these are these are identified in those executive orders that Obama and Trump signed. Essential government functions um, in, in wartime and in times of crisis, in times where the federal government is under attack or being threatened. Um, there, there are steps, safeguards put in place to ensure that these essential functions are going to be carried out uh, by people who know what they're doing. Okay. That's the idea of devolution. Like I said, it's not a fantasy. It's not some thing we dreamed up. It's, it's a real thing. The The question is whether or not Trump has activated, uh, and we are currently under a devolved form of government or not. So that's
0: the million dollar question.
1: That's the million dollar question. So Patel Patriot and a number, a number of other people, Thomas Wichter, and other people have been speculating for about a year that uh, Trump actually implemented the plan of devolution. He activated it, and that we have actually been living under a devolved form of government for the last year. And most people don't know it. <laughs> um, and and there, like I said, it's based. That premise is based on a bunch of circumstantial evidence. Like why? Why, for example? Two days after the election, last November, did Trump lop off the head of the Pentagon and replace everybody at the top of of the Defense Department? He got rid of Esper. He got rid of a bunch of undersecretaries. He appointed Chris Miller as acting secretary of defense. He put in Kash Patel as his chief of staff. He put in Anthony Tata as undersecretary for policy. And he put in Ezra Cohen-Watnick as undersecretary for intelligence. Why? If Trump is just going to leave the White House in two months, Mm -hmm. big nothing burger. Hey, you know, nice seeing y'all. I'm out of here. I'm going to Mar-a-Lago and I'm just going to live my life. Why the heck would Trump go through all the trouble to replace all the people at the top of the Pentagon? Doesn't make any sense. Right. Uh, And then um, Chris Miller and Ezra Cohen Watnick and Kash Patel made some significant changes to the chain of command for special forces, right? He took them out of the, out of the chain of command of the Washington bureaucracy and put them directly under civilian command. Uh, and by the way, just so you know, the secretary of defense and all of his undersecretaries they're not members of the military. They're, they're civilians and Chris Miller. And uh, Ezra Cohen-Watnick took special forces away from the military chain of command and put them directly under their chain of command. So you have to wonder, why did they do that? Right. So Kat, so yeah. uh, Patel Patriot goes into all these. Um, he, he just digs up all these documents um, that show how some very interesting things were happening in November of December of last year. It kind of suggests that Trump was up to something with the military. Yeah, he was making some moves. They were they were making some changes, none of which makes any sense if Trump is just going to go to Mar-a-Lago and live out his life.
0: Well, uh, clearly looks, he's not. It, he's not doing it, that. If,
1: if you follow the documents and follow the evidence, it appears as though Trump was was actively doing something, uh, making some contingency plans with the military, and that's what why we're what we're talking about devolution. The idea that maybe, uh, well, the, the essential theory is that Trump understood the election was going to be stolen. Yeah. That Trump knew it was going to be uh, probably stolen by with the aid of China or at the request of China. And if you know that a foreign government that you've been at war with, in an undeclared war for the last, you know, four years, if you know that your adversary is going to steal an election to try to remove you from power, it would be irresponsible not to put in place some safeguards to prevent the um, to, to prevent the, the results of that uh, election mm-hmm. from actually uh, harming the country. Now, Trump so, has
0: assured us on several occasions that. That the election, well, first he's told us that he has all the evidence, and then he's also said that the elections are going to get fixed. And a lot of people don't believe that, and, and they're questioning why. They're also questioning how in the world could the military be in charge, because we've got the millies of the world, the soy boys running around talking about critical race theory. We have a woke military. How in the world is it possible that the military is going to help Trump? That he's right. even, that anybody in the military is listening to him or supporting him.
1: Well, you also know that there are four star generals in the military, like Charles Flynn, who is uh, command of uh, of the Army in the Pacific. <laughs> so, not all of the people in the military are woke. Actually, I would I would bet that eighty percent of the people in the military in uniform are patriots. And there's a relatively small minority who are woke tards and some of the vocal woke tards at the top are like Millie are running their mouths and they're kind of making people think that the military has gone soft. Uh, I think we're going to find out relatively soon how soft the military has not become. Can Uh, you
0: elaborate on that? Yeah. Do you care too?
1: If you know anything about government, um, the government is structured. The government and in particular the intelligence agencies and the Pentagon are highly siloed in their information, in their missions, in, in their overall um, you know, operability. Uh, government agencies in general, Pentagon in particular, but the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Okay, so Uh, Here's an example. If you take the uh, 10th Mountain Division, which is uh, uh, out of New York, an an army group, they don't necessarily know what SEAL Team 2 is doing right now (laughs) because um, what SEAL teams do is highly classified information. That information is only given to people who have a need to know and people who have the proper security clearance to know what SEAL Team 2 or SEAL Team 3 is doing on any given day. It's all highly classified information. It's siloed. SEAL teams, their operational uh, actions are controlled and no one knows what those teams are doing. If they don't have a need to know, they don't have that security clearance. Even though um, members of this, people who are all in the Army or in the Marines or in the Navy, all are sort of part of the same core, they don't all know what each other are doing. I guarantee you, SEAL Team 2 doesn't know what um, the Trident submarines up in at the Banger Sub Base in Washington are doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah. that's Naval Fleet uh, na- submarines, uh, nuclear submarines are highly compartmentalized. Their information, what they do, their missions, it's all kept secret. So all of that is to say that um, uh, what the military does, what its missions are, what its operations are all about, is highly compartmentalized and it's tightly confined. And it is controlled at the top by regional combatant commanders. It's not actually controlled by the Secretary of Defense. So in, um, there's, there's, there's regions, right? So you got, you have Pacific Command. It's actually Indo-Pacific Command. Now they changed the name of it. Uh, you've got Northern Command. You've got Southern Command. You've got, uh, Africa Command. You've got Central Command. All of these are different regional headquarters for the military. And the and the generals that rule over those or sort or are ultimately responsible the four star generals are the combatant commanders they have control over their region there's also um, cyber command which is not a region it's it's cybersecurity do you military. think that those combatant
0: right. commanders are the ones that now, are- Makassoni
1: is the, is the combatant commander for Cyber Command. And then okay. you've got other, other command. Right. Those so, generals, nope. there's there's 11 of them, I believe. Those generals are the ones who are in control of regional commands for theaters of operation. And uh, they're the ones who actually control and, and determine what their regional um military operations are going to be on a day-to-day basis whether or not the secretary of defense is giving orders to them uh that's where the control is actually at uh, for the military it's not necessarily coming from the secretary of defense got it got it and it's definitely not coming from the from the joint chiefs so millie for example has no command authority in the military millie is the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff the Joint Chiefs is an advisory board that gives advice to the president. They have no command authority. Interesting. None. Zero. So uh. when, it
0: comes to, when okay, so so when it comes to the current situation and devolution, uh, I, I believe Patel Patriot said that that he thinks that these combatant commanders are have been tasked with. The job that the, the, they're heads of the devolved government and yep. they're working under Trump. as They, they may be really.
1: some of the only people who know that we're under a devolved government. If um, if the devolved government under Trump as a as a legitimate commander in chief needed to take action, they would be the ones to be notified. Um, it's it's possible that the combat commanders are aware of devolution and the secretary of defense may not be aware of it okay secretary of defense is a civilian
0: so so <laughs> and can he you not have a need to know people um, have talked about a scenario in which the military would would come into washington dc and remove the brandon regime from the white house um, <laughs> and some people just say there's there, there's no scenario in which that's going to happen. I know that General Flynn has been asked about it and he says, no, that's not going to happen. Of course, that's the answer that he has to give. Um,
1: If that were in fact going to happen, there's no way Flynn would admit it if he knew about it.
0: Right. What's your take on that? uh,
1: Well, uh, the spiritual intelligence that I've received says that actually is going to happen. And um, I, I, I can't say that the military is going to come rolling in to D.C. and remove Biden from office. I do have reason to believe that the military is going to start cracking some skulls and uh, making life hard for the D.C. swamp in the very near future. Um, I first I started having those dreams about that in on January 17th last year. Interesting. Uh, actually, January seventeenth of this year, it was actually it was the same night. Did you listen to that message from Dutch Sheets about the dream that the woman had, where she saw Kamala Harris about to be inaugurated, and a member of the military came into the room and stopped them from inaugurating her?
0: I missed that one. That's and interesting.
1: Oh my gosh! <laughs> right. So if you go back to, I think. That broadcast was on I, was on January 21st of this last January. That woman had that dream on January 17th, the same night I had the dreams about the military storms. So in my dream, I saw military storms moving in to the Gulf of Mexico. And I saw these three um, cyclones down in the Gulf of Mexico lined up east to west. And I was aware that these, they were just storms and they were caused by the military. And they were, and the funny thing about it was I saw these storms and and I saw uh, a number of scenes in this dream. And in the first scene, I saw these storms spinning in the Gulf of Mexico. And I knew in the dream that the water from these storms was moving from the southwest corner of the map to the northeast corner of the map. Interesting, right? And the Southwest, what I thought that the interpretation of that was that it starts in Arizona. And it ends in Washington, DC in the Northeast, a- Arizona, Southwest. Um, there's there was a bunch of other scenes in, in the dream. Mm-hmm. And I had several dreams after that, over the next couple of months, that showed the military um, establishing communications networks. Uh, I saw the military in one dream addressing corruption in higher uh, education, right? So it was a series of dreams that showed the military addressing corruption in various aspects of society. Okay. So to the people who think the military is sitting on their asses doing nothing, being woke tards, um, I think God's going to have some surprises for us in the coming year.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that that you, one of the things you and I talked about last night was the fact that, you know, some people have a very linear idea of how things are going to work. And, you know, this is, it's it's not uncommon throughout history. Every time God has had a victory, it's been done in such a way that nobody would have ever thought of it. And, um, right. (laughs) And so, and I talked about this. this on my
1: is email. there your plan? Are you kidding me? This is never gonna work.
0: Yeah, like that's a dumb plan. And I I feel like we're in that place. And you know we we've heard some of the prophets have talked about this. Johnny Enlow, Robin Bullock, uh, we've heard them say the and Cat Kerr and others. This is going to be a God victory. We're gonna see God move in such a way that everybody has to look at what's happened and say only God. There's there's yep. no way. Right now, I, I I think it's safe to say that most people are looking at what's going on and saying, this is stupid. This is a stupid plan. It's never going to work. And, um, and, and I just want to remind people that, hey, welcome to history. Uh, God has never uh, really needed the advice of the people to figure out the best plan. He's the one who gives people the revelation. When we ask for wisdom and revelation, that's what we're asking for, and yeah. so I'm sure
1: have, that people who are watching David pick up some stones from the from the brook, and take his slingshot out there against uh, Goliath were thinking oh, that's a great plan.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um, yeah. God, can we talk, right? Um, <laughs> and, and that's something that I've been trying to emphasize here on the show is you know in general, the plans that we come up with, or that we think are going to happen, like people who just think that it's all going to be over in in a matter of, you know, a weekend, uh, or that it's going to happen this way or this way. Um, It's just not, this is not the way it is. And, and what I've, what I've noticed is that, you know, God does call people to, to pick up a mantle, and to, to take on a task. That's what Trump did. Trump was willing to participate he was willing to lay down his life, his honor, his sacred, his fortune, his sacred honor, uh, to to do this, to bring the country back. And I've noticed that there that you know people think there are people who think that it was a failed mission that he failed. Um, I happen to think that he's just he was regrouping, <laughs> and uh, and that you know he's he's still working, and he's he's actually going to be more effective when he comes back than he was before.
1: Well, Um, here's, here's something to think about. Okay. The media has portrayed Trump as an absolute failure as a president. Okay? So think about this. Trump steps out of the Oval Office for a year and allows Joe Biden to take over. Now the media has to try to spin all the epic failures of the mumbler-in-chief, right? Ruby the pants. world is getting to see what an actual failure is in a presidency. When Trump comes back, well, by the time Trump comes back, people are going to be begging for him to come back to the White House because they're going to be paying you know, $18 a gallon for gas, uh, $9 a, a pound for you know pork chops. Uh, people are going to be begging for Trump to return because... Joe Biden, in his incompetence or and/or corruption, is going is, uh, is intentionally trying to destroy the country. That's what they're trying to do. You can't destroy the country as fast as they have done it unless you're doing it intentionally. Yeah, And we know because Schwab was nice enough to come out there with his great reset and tell us all about their plan to destroy uh, capitalism. They have an intentional plan. They want to destroy Western capitalism. They want to destroy our economy, destroy the markets, destroy jobs, destroy everything about um, Western capitalism, and replace it with
0: socialism. You will uh, own. And blame nothing, it on COVID, and you will be happy.
1: That's their plan. Yeah, uh, you will own nothing, and you'll be happy. We we have a retaliation for that. It's called the, the resist, uh, and it goes: you will own no one, and you'll be sad. <laughs>
0: Exactly, not exactly.
1: going to own us, but but here's here's the thing um, that, that I want to uh, you know just put it out there to, to people who are struggling with uh, taking some meaning from this and some purpose what they can do. All right, uh, there's there's two ways that this movie is going to end. There's two possibilities. Either the either the deep state the cabal um, the bad guys, are going to enslave the entire world in their um, digital gulag. And your brain's going to be wired up to Zuckerberg's you know, Facebook or uh, Google's digital you know, ghetto. They're going to try to enslave us. They're going to try to take away your property, put you in a high-rise ghetto, uh, limit your ability to travel, Feed you whatever, you know, sickening, disgusting, uh, artificial protein-like meat substance that they're going to feed you. They want to enslave our planet. It is every science fiction movie you've ever seen in the last 20 years coming into reality. That's what they want to do. They want to enslave us and they want to strip the resources of the world, get rich off of it, and have power over us. There's a, there's a possibility that they might get what they want, but that is what they want. The other possibility is that we stand up as a citizenry, and as they're doing in Australia and in Europe, and we push back and we refuse to let them enslave us. Now, some people have this attitude, like you mentioned, that they're supposed to just sit back and let the good guys come in on their silver horse and win the battle and we don't have to do anything. Well, I got news for you. If you think you're going to sit back and do nothing and win the battle, you're going to lose. As General Flynn often says, our country is a participatory experiment. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Our country was never designed to be run by a bunch of corrupt politicians from Washington, D.C., It was designed to have all of us participate in the process. And the reason we're in the situation we're in right now is because we checked out, decided we'd rather play Halo with our friends, get lost in our video games, check out, go to our little, um, you know, watch Paula Deen uh, and decorate our house while the cabal is enslaving us in their digital gulag. We have abdicated our responsibility to be involved and if we do not take back that responsibility we are going to end up prisoners and it's going to be a very dark ending for this movie wow i don't think that's going to happen i think we're going to win because i think people are waking up as we watch what these corruptocrats are doing they're doing all these lockdowns in europe They're going to eventually bring more lockdowns back here if they get their chance. Uh, They're going to try to enslave us and people are not going to take it. We have to be vocal. We have to be loud. We have to stand up. We have to assert our freedoms uh, and let them know we're not going to take it. We have to take our employers to court if they try to force us to get vaccinated. We have to take action uh, on social media. Going down to your school board, going down to the courthouse and filing uh, a lawsuit against your employer. Look, right now, if your employer is telling you that you have to be vaccinated, OSHA has stopped the enforcement and implementation of Biden's vaccine mandate because they got uh, halted by the Fifth Circuit Court. They're probably going to get stomped, curb stomped hard by the Sixth Circuit Court. And OSHA is their mandate is going to be toast. If they're dumb enough to take it to the Supreme Court, they'll probably uh, lose other mandates that they try to force down our throats. If your employer is telling you right now that you need to be vaccinated, you should hire an attorney and file a lawsuit against your employer because they have no legal authority to do it. It doesn't mean they won't do it. It doesn't mean they'll be stupid and and try to force people to be vaccinated but they have no legal authority yeah. to do it. And if you take them to court, you're going to win because they have no legal authority to do it. Yeah. They just don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and those are the things that we should be doing.
0: Yeah. Well, Dave, listen, I I could, I could talk to you all day. I mean, it's, it's you've already missed your, your nap and you came on at the last minute <laughs> when, when my other guest, uh, you know, had to had to bow out, and I so so appreciate that the comments. Everybody is just so happy listening to you. They're they're very complimentary, and um, I I, I want to ask you just one quick question before I let you go. I would love to have you back on the show because I think this is just tremendous. I think people are getting so much out of it. One quick question, because you know you mention quite often about dreams, and uh, you know you started out writing books. About healing, about prayer, about hearing God, and this is something it could—it's it, somewhat of a controversial topic, even among Christians, especially if if somebody is saddled with a religious spirit. Um, can you just give us a, a brief explanation of what, is, what does that mean? You're you're saying you had a dream for for the layperson who really hasn't dabbled or dipped their feet into what would be, what we would call the modern day prophetic. We're going to talk about this more on another show because I want to unpack it, but just, just give us a little teaser and a taste. And also you have a book about hearing from God. So I'd love you to t- tell people how to find that. Uh, I have a lot of books. <laughs> well, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. That was the one I was thinking about.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, the so, starter book. so there's a series of books um, and, and they're all the, the the Made Simple books, right? So this is the fifth book in the series, this is Dream Interpretation Made Simple. Okay. The book that I published prior to this one is Hearing God's Voice Made Simple. There is a book called Singing in the Spirit Made Simple. And there's a book called Divine Healing Made Simple. And if you really want to get out there, there's a Traveling in the Spirit Made Simple.
0: The Made Simple
1: series. A biblical view of all these subjects and just kind of, you know, a little expository teaching. On what the Bible teaches on traveling in the Spirit, did you know that Elijah and Elisha and the and the New Testament apostles traveled in the Spirit on a pretty regular basis? Oh. It's in the Scriptures. Oh yes, <laughs> remember when uh, when Philip was hanging out with the eunuch, the Holy Spirit told him go chase down that eunuch, get up in the chariot with him. He's reading the Book of Isaiah, and the, and the eunuch. Uh, Asks Philip, well, who is he speaking about here? Is he speaking about the Messiah or himself? And Philip says he's speaking about the Messiah. And Philip preaches the gospel to him. Um, He says, Oh, I believe. Can I be baptized? And Philip says, Sure. Stop the chariot. Like, there's a ditch full of water. I'll baptize you right now. So they get out. Philip baptizes him in the ditch. And then the spirit picks up Philip and takes him. Uh, dozens of miles away to another city and drops him down where there's a revival going on.
0: That's right, yeah. Uh,
1: here's another one. And I forget, I think this is in, in uh, uh, I think it's in, it might be in John's gospel, but it could be in Mark's. So there's a, there's a very interesting passage where the disciples are in a boat and they're on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus is walking on the water and they invite him to come into the boat. And it says they had been rowing for several hours and they were about in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Right, so Sea of Galilee is about five miles across. They were about two to three miles out. Jesus steps in the boat and it says, immediately the boat was at land where they were going. (laughs) All right, Jesus supernaturally transported the entire boat all the way across Uh the sea when by getting in it. Nice. Um, that that's just a couple of examples. So that's the traveling the spirit book. Uh, I have a book called hearing God's voice and it's really, it's a book about relationships. It, it is, um, teaching about how to develop a stronger relationship with God to learn how to hear his voice in the many ways in which he speaks. God speaks through music, through art, through film, through weather, Through circumstances of our life, he speaks through the still small voice. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. God speaks in a lot of different ways. That book, um, Hearing God's Voice Made Simple, is about that. The book on dream interpretation. All right. I did not have dreams for 25 years. Uh, I stopped having dreams when I was about 21 years old. And then about 25 years later, I literally did not have dreams for 25 years at all. No dreams, not even ones that I just forgot. I never had, I didn't have dreams. Started having dreams in 2008. And then um, and that first dream in, that I had on August 8th, 2008, I met God. And he told me he wanted me to pray for my patients. So uh, that's, a, that's I a, learn about... an amazing
0: reintroduction to dreams. Wow. Yes. Yes. What a gift. And then, and I
1: started looking through the scriptures and realized, holy crap, there's dreams all throughout the Bible. So if you go to Genesis, Genesis has some really amazing dreams. Um, Isaac had some very interesting dreams. Um, Jacob had some very interesting dreams. Uh, Jacob, Jacob's ladder, right? Jacob fell asleep by the river Jabbok. When he went up, fell asleep in the dream, he saw the angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder. Um, Joseph was a dreamer and a dream interpreter. Uh, Joseph interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh as a coming famine, and he saved Egypt by interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. Daniel was, most of the book of Daniel is uh, interpretations of dreams and visions. (laughs) You look through Daniel 2, Daniel 4, Daniel 10, 11, Uh, 12, it's visions and dreams that people have had. And the angels are helping Daniel interpret these dreams and visions. Um, Joseph was warned in a dream that Mary was going to have a baby and that uh, the baby was going to be divinely conceived. Joseph was also warned to take the baby Jesus down to Egypt because Herod was going to try to kill him. And then when he got to Egypt, an angel came in a dream and warned him it was safe to go back. A lot of key elements in the Bible were given to people in dreams. And God has been speaking to me in dreams uh, for about 11 years now, 12 years. And God gives me very specific understanding about certain situations. Um, A lot of the the things that are going on with uh, President Trump and the prosecution of corruption in the deep state, God gives me dreams and explains to me things that are coming. Um, I think we're going to have some kind of big issue with the internet in the not too distant future. Why? Because I've had like 13 or 14 dreams in the last year that illustrate uh, significant communication problems coming to us. Problems with email, problems with social media, problems with the internet. Um, Communicating is going to become much more difficult in the near future. And I, I just know that because God continually shows me that I had another dream last night. About that issue, that that's what was was in the dream last night. So when I when I talk about dreams, I mean, you know, if, if you're if you're not um, familiar with that, you should allow God. You should ask God to give you dreams and show you um, the things He wants to show you. You'll be amazed at what He'll show you about your your life, relationships, your job, um, your calling, your destiny, your gifting. God God will show you incredible things through dreams.
0: Now, people say often they can't remember their dreams, and I've heard you teach about this before. What is the key to remembering your dreams and, and then developing your dream life?
1: Yeah, there, uh, let's see. Jesus kind of explained this um, in Matthew 13, and it's, it's in the Kingdom Parables. Uh, Jesus had been teaching through parables, right? So there's all these kingdom parables. And then the, the disciples asked him, why do you teach through parables? And he said, because to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, speaking of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and scribes, to them it has not been given. Okay? And to whoever has he will be given more but whoever had who has not he will be even what he has will be taken away from him right all right what jesus was getting at there is he's talking about revelation from god and how we uh, our appetite for revelation jesus told the disciples because you are interested because you have an appetite for knowing the mysteries of god's kingdom you are going to be given more. But because they do not have an appetite for revelation about God's kingdom, even what little they have is going to be taken from them. Right? So what I what I have noticed, and I've got a lot of testimonies from people that have just written me and, and talked to me about this, as people start to read books on dream interpretation, as they start to write their dreams down, they start having more dreams. If you take your dreams seriously, you will have more dreams. I can't. I, I know of three people now who have purchased my book and immediately started having dreams like on a regular basis, when they never had dreams on a regular basis before then. What wow. they're doing is in faith, in faith, they purchased the book, and they thought, okay, I want to learn about dreams yeah because because they decided they're going to take an interest in their dream life god is now going to give them dreams they're going to read about the interpretations and they'll learn to interpret the dreams through the book but god is rewarding them with more revelation because they're taking an interest in it if you take a serious interest in something god will teach you about it regardless of what it is if you're interested in politics and current events and you ask God for wisdom and understanding; He'll give it to you, it through a lot of different ways. So, um, <clears throat> what I would what I would say for people who can't remember the dreams is, this is just um, uh, it's it's discipline, and that's what it is. You have to develop a disciplined life, where you don't do anything in the morning when you wake up before you write down your dream. Do not go to the bathroom. Do not get a drink of water. Do not turn off your alarm. Write down the dream. Whatever it was that you dreamed, before you do anything, write it down. Because as soon as you get up, start walking around, get your coffee, go to the bathroom, check in on your phone and see what the news is, you're going to forget the dream. The reason that people forget their dreams is, dreams are spiritual dreams are spiritual revelation and your spirit is only able to hang on to that revelation for a period of time. Well, I should say your soul, your mind is only able to hang on to that revelation for a short period of time. Once you once you become awake, your higher faculties of your brain start to think about the events, where you're going, what you're going to do, what you're going to have for breakfast, what's happening in the news. All those things cloud your mind and the dream is forgotten. It's a, it's your spirit retains it, but your mind forgets it. And that's how you know that dreams actually don't come from your soul, because your soul will very quickly forget a dream. Your spirit doesn't forget it. Your spirit retains that dream. It has it there, but most people can't access their spirit very easily from their from their soul, so they forget it. That's why it's very important. As soon as you wake up from a dream, write it down. Don't do anything. Just write it down. And get in the discipline of writing down your dreams. J- journal them. Put something on your nightstand that'll allow you to record your dreams. You will start to remember your dreams more. And it's it's not an issue of remembering them. It's an, it's a it's a discipline of recording them because you right. will forget them throughout the day. I mean 20 minutes later, you're going to forget the dream you just wrote down, but at least you'll have it written down. So you can go back and go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember what it was.
0: So that's a really good distinction. You just said, it's, it's not a question of remembering it. It's a question of developing the discipline to record it. Yep. Yeah. And so, so it's really more like a data point that, that you you record as opposed to something that you're trying to. I mean,
1: if, if you're driving your car and you're going through a town, And you jot down on a notepad, oh, look, there's a bar at 7th Avenue. You write that down and you keep driving. Oh, look, there's a bowling alley on 6th Avenue and you write that down. And then you keep driving and you say, oh, there's a little lady crossing the street here on 1st Avenue. You write that down. You may drive for three more days and forget completely about what happened in that little tiny town. But if you go back to your journal and read what you wrote, oh, yeah. I remember the bar and I remember the bowling alley and I remember the little old lady that crossed the street. Why? Because you wrote it down when it happened. Yes. You'll forget it later on, but if you write it down when it happens, it'll always be there.
0: Interesting. Well, thank you for that explanation. That's, that's very helpful. Can you tell our listeners, uh, first of all, where they can follow you, uh, on on the internet, uh, how they can find you online. And then I want
1: to tell like, Pull the interwebs down all around us. (laughs) You can find me on prayingmedic.com. That's my main website. Um, I have a lot of tabs there. So uh, my books are available there on my website. Uh, My videos are available there. My podcasts are available. My articles. Um, There's, you can, if you're interested in learning about Q, I've got a tab there that goes to Q post. You can read all of Q's posts or read some if you want. I have over 200 Q videos that are available now on an archived page. If you go to the Q videos tab, um, all of my old Q videos that have been missing now for the last year uh, magically appeared uh, (laughs) after about a week and a half of work (laughs) of putting them back up, Um, all my Q videos are now available on my website, prayingmedic.com. Okay, good. Our ministry is prayingmedic.org. Okay, uh, that is where we base our ministry. My spiritual messages on hearing God's voice, seeing in the spirit, uh, <clears throat> healing, miracles, power and authority, um, dreams. Those there's a I have an entire page full of videos on. If you just go to the videos tab on prayingmedic.org. Okay. forward so, slash videos. Tons and tons of videos there. Uh, basic discipleship for people who are maybe new believers, don't know much about God, don't know about the supernatural if you're interested. Tons of videos there. They're all free. We did, I think, get our donation page fixed. We have not been able to receive donations through our donation page oh. due to some software conflicts.
0: Okay. I think we wow. finally
1: have the software conflicts worked out. So anyone who wants to support us financially, they can go to our ministry, PrayingMedic.org. Okay. And there's a donation page there. And I think it's working
0: now. <laughs> well, you also and, accept you accept paper checks too. Is there a way to mail you on? Yeah, your own?
1: really the only donations yeah. we've received over the last couple months has been through checks. Okay. And on the donation page, there's a place where people can send uh, checks to us if they want.
0: Okay, good. Uh, good.
1: We are a tax-exempt ministry, and your donations are tax deductible.
0: Awesome. And so the content that's on your site, uh, the videos, that type of thing, that's available for free, right? People can support you financially by sending a check or trying to go through your donation page. They can also buy your books and they can buy them directly from prayingmedic.com, correct?
1: Well, you can't buy them from prayingmedic.com. We're not doing distribution of our books. Okay. We have links on uh on my we have a book page that has all of our books on it our q books and our spiritual books you can buy our spiritual books through amazon they're also available through barnesandnoble.com and the q books are available through barnesandnoble.com and they're also available through ingram spark got it we have links on our book page to the ingram spark um option okay. which you can buy the ebook or the paperback through Ingram Spark. Good. Uh, our Q books were blacklisted by Amazon. Uh, you know, it is yeah. what it is. That was uh, pretty Bezos early doesn't on, like right? Q and you know, Q doesn't like Bezos, so it's it's all good.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I understand. So you're also on Telegram. You have a Telegram channel. I am. That's my primary
1: hangout right now.
0: Okay. I have yeah. a Gab
1: account and I have a Cloud Hub account. But I am most active on Telegram. Uh, It's praying underscore medic is the Telegram channel. Just look for the one that has more than 100,000 subscribers. There's there's fake channels on on Telegram for everybody. But just look for the one that has. um, And go to the pinned message on the top of my Telegram channel. It's a video with me. uh, Proof of life letting people know that it's yeah, actually
0: my channel. Sure, yeah, absolutely, guys. Make sure that you you go to the right channel. There's a lot of fake channels on Telegram. Uh, somebody on Facebook just said they, they just ordered your dream book. GMR. Oh,
1: thanks. And by the yeah. way, to, to my friends on Facebook, <clears throat> some people kind of misunderstood what happened on Facebook. I had a pretty large prayer group on Facebook. Uh, There's 30,000 people in this prayer group. And some people are under the impression that I abandoned them I didn't abandon Facebook. Uh, Facebook has shut down five pages of mine uh, over the last few years. I keep trying to come back. I try to when they take down my page, they also take down my private profile. Um, I have not been able to maintain a profile on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube. I've tried to create more accounts. They won't let me every time I create an account on one of those platforms, they take it down. So it's not that I I abandoned Facebook or YouTube or Twitter. They they booted me off. They and when I tried to get back on. They kept shoving me yeah. out the door. So oh, I am not on those platforms and it's not my choice. It was by their choice.
0: Are, are you going to go on Truth Social? Oh heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: I will be I, I will be big and, and large and in charge on Truth Social. I'm really looking forward to Trump's new social media platform. Yeah, me too.
0: Me too. Um, uh, I
1: hope they do live streaming. I hope they have groups. I hope they have all the functionality uh, of the other platforms. I'm looking forward to it. Um, me too. Yeah, I, I will be there.
0: Yep. Yeah, I already I already signed up. What you know, whatever for the notifications or whatever you could do. I mean. I'm anxious to lock in my name, get my real estate over there. <laughs> I am just keeping, keeping watch. I, I bought the stock uh, in his uh, acquisition DWAC yep. uh, right when it was first came out. I'm pretty excited about that, but um, I, I don't know. It's kind of cool to be part of that, especially after everything we've been through. So who knows by the time truth social launches, uh, you know, it, it might be, we, it might be a uh, whole new world. It might be a whole new world. Our real president may actually be back in place. I have not given up on that hope, and um, there are—I admit—there are days when it's tempting to swallow the black pill and go, "He's never going back." (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but the truth is, you know, there there's so much more beyond President Trump, and that's what really—if people are taking the opportunity to listen and to learn and to grow and to allow their character to be developed during this time that is that is the that's that's the spoils of war that we're going to come away with is you know knowing who we are and being more grounded and actually learn you know doing things that will have an impact generationally on this country not just one person in office
1: i have one message i'd like to leave people with if i could please do kind of goes along with what you just said. Please do not um, think of Trump as the savior of America. Please do not think of the military as the savior of America. Trump and the military are observing us. They are looking at us and they're waiting to see if we are willing to take our country back. If We show them we are willing to engage, we're willing to be digital soldiers, we're willing to fulfill our responsibilities and partner with them in taking back our country. They will help us take back our country. But without us, it's not going to happen. They're not going to do it without us. So this is a partnership. (laughs) Trump is a leader but he is not our savior. Amen. A leader who is trying to encourage us to stand up and take back our country.
0: That's so good. Yeah. And he taught us to be brave and he taught us to be bold. And so many people are taking that example. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful for him. I'm thankful that he said yes, but I agree. He's looking for just, you know, he is, he is an instrument of God and he is just like God is. Uh, I'm not equating the two at all. Um, but, you know, our human leaders are looking for participation from we the people. Right. And God does the
1: same thing. Yep. God is not going to take action in the earth unless we're involved in it. Yeah. He works through us.
0: So the God is in control phrase just got thrown out the window there. <laughs> yes, it did.
1: Yeah. One of I hate that phrase. Yeah. I, I don't like Patriots Are in Control and I don't like God is in control.
0: Yeah. Because
1: that that both of those kind of um suggest that we have nothing to do with the process. Yeah.
0: It it and definitely a lot fosters the a passive uh attitude. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's what actually got us in this place where we are. Exactly. So, um, well, Dave, you know, we're coming up on, on two hours here. Can you believe it? I, I (laughs) I check my roast. I am so, yeah, (laughs) I'm so delighted that you came on today and I, I so appreciate it. I know that my listeners do as well, just to let everybody know, I am going to upload this to Rumble, uh, Mary Grace Media on Rumble. Um, And I, you know, if you come back to Facebook and it's not here, there's probably a good reason for that because I think buck has probably got his little minions out by now. All the people at Socialist Media Inc have gotten alerted that there may be a problem over on Mary grace media so uh,
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'll put this up on my website then uh, the oh website. great,
0: okay thank you yeah I'll send it I'll send it to you so yeah, so anyway, everybody just thank you so much again uh for being here. Thank you, Dave. I am really looking forward to having you back. I know that, you know, I've gotten uh, several people in the chat here who've said that they've gone and purchased your book while we were talking. Everybody's interested in the dream, dream interpretation book. So that's just awesome. And I I just thank you and Denise both both for the sacrifices and dedication and commitment that you've made over the past several years. It's just a delight and a pleasure to be in this fight with you. And I'm looking forward to more shows Maybe we can get Denise on too, (laughs) Uh, at least in the background. Yeah, I I love her peanut gallery comments. So we will see everybody. uh, To my listeners, I will be back on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. And in the meantime, please share this. Please uh, like. Please uh, leave comments. And please, if you're on Facebook, share this into groups. Telegram, share it into groups that you're allowed to share in without spamming. Etc., etc. Please leave comments when you come back. I would love to hear your feedback. And as always, you can contact me at Mary Grace Media, uh, info at Mary You can uh, send me comments, you can send suggestions, questions for Dave if you want him to come back. Uh, I'd love to get your feedback. And thanks again, Dave. Um, blessings to you and, and Denise both. And uh, can't wait to see how this adventure continues to unfold. Take care, everybody. Take care, Dave. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks.